0: to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: Everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buksev, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I don't know about you, but this last week has been feeling a bit heavy for me. However, this episode is just the thing for you if you're feeling the same weight because I'm interviewing Alex Barker of the Happy Farm D. Alex's mission is to transform the profession so every pharmacist can unlock their career's potential. He strives for pharmacists to love pharmacy again. Alex Barker is the CEO and founder of the Happy Farm D, a nationwide coaching firm guiding pharmacists to inspiring careers and more fulfilling lives. Alex is an accomplished public speaker, a published author, and teacher. Since 2017, his coaching program and career development seminars have guided over 2,000 pharmacists into new jobs and roles they love. His book, Indispensable, a prescription for a fulfilling pharmacy career, has motivated countless pharmacists to love pharmacy again. Alex is a husband and the proud father of two daughters. He loves drinking coffee and eating good guacamole, though not at the same time. When he isn't working, which happens occasionally, he plays Nintendo, Dungeons & Dragons, and reads comics. This episode is very near and dear to my heart because Alex's blog has put me on the scene of pharmacy experts in the natural and holistic space, and I'm forever grateful. I can't wait to share this next episode with you, so here it is. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me a super powerhouse guest today. His name is Alex Barker, and he's the founder of the Happy PharmD. So welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking with you. It's been too long since our last chat, so excited to be with you.
1: Absolutely. So much has happened since the time you first published me on the Happy Farm D blog and so many changes yeah. for both of us. Yeah. So I would love to just dive right into your story, Alex, and ask you, you know, about your background, where you grew up, and how you chose the profession of pharmacy.
0: I was born in a log cabin many years ago. <laughs> um, no, no. Yeah. Um, Grew up in Michigan for the majority of my life, uh, rural town, uh, pretty much a rebel by nature. My parents were both rule followers, and I love to break them. So childhood was was a struggle for sure. Got a lot of detentions. Somehow I was book smart and perhaps pound foolish enough to think I could be a pharmacist. Uh, um, you know, I took those career tests that they make you take in, in high school, and it was like At the time, I think I wanted to be a YouTuber before there was YouTube or I wanted to be a comedian. Um, But that's not what the test said. The test was like, you should be a principal, a teacher or a pharmacist. And I was like, I don't like my principal because I spend too much time in his office. Not a huge fan of teachers. Um, What's a pharmacist? Well, they dispense medications and they don't touch blood, butts or guts. And I was like, "Oh yeah, how much do they make?" Uh, sign me up for that. Like that was literally my thought process. Very poor thinking skills from from young Alex. But I, I pursued it. Uh, went to Fair State University out of Michigan. Uh, had a decent experience there, and then I got into the profession. And I was like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> Uh, I did a did a residency and um, community am care and academia. It's kind of like a mixture and um, got an ambulatory care job at the Veteran Affairs. And I quickly learned like, oh, man, this is not what I expected. Pharmacy was. Um, I, I do not find this work engaging. I am not really loving it. Um, and i had a pretty big chip on my shoulder for maybe it's still there i don't know it's been a long time and i i really resented my decisions to be a pharmacist because i i was experiencing burnout and i there was bullying going on in my workplace so i felt miserable quite a bit and ultimately decided i'm not going to stay this way i don't i don't want to just <laughs> feel like I wasted so much of my time and my life and who I was to be in a job that I was, I mean, not just unhappy with, but slightly miserable. And so that led me down a long road of hiring coaches, starting up way too many businesses and business ideas. And in 2017, I said, you know what? I'm just going to help pharmacists. I'm going to become an academic. That was kind of like my plan. I was going to be a professor. And uh, I'm going to help pharmacists with career coaching because that's kind of the thing that I I enjoy the most uh, out of our profession, professional development. And well, the rest is history. Um, Quit my job in 2018. We now have a team of about 20 people. Farm uh, 11 pharmacy coaches, a lot of support people, and we help pharmacists get jobs they love. It's a dream come true for what I do every day. Um, I just put up a thank you board in my construction office. You can't see behind me if you're watching this, it's a mess behind me. I mean, it's ugly. The walls are gray, too. Like, what the heck? Who paints their walls gray? Someone depressed. But I've got a thank you board over here now, and I just love it because it's full of notes and things of people saying how their lives have changed, how their family doesn't ignore, you know, uh, avoid them anymore the day before work. And they love what they do. They're making a difference in the world for their themselves and their patients. So that's my story condensed, I guess. <laughs>
1: I love it. And I appreciate, you know, the way you're speaking so candidly on these topics that are honestly so important, right? Just the way we live day to day. And when we're spending eight plus hours at a work shift, you know, on the daily five days a week at least, you know, odd shifts for certain people, night shifts, etc. And we're not even enjoying the work or we are not feeling you know any sort of gratification or we felt it was going to be different you know and it's not matching up the reality versus the expectation and the team around us also maybe you know is is not very friendly and as you yeah. said even bullying that goes on so you know this is a really important part of, you know, just life. So your work, the place where you spend the majority of your time, it's got to be even more important than family life.
0: It It is so important because it trickles to everything else. Uh, a pharmacist once told me that, uh, I, I won't swear on this podcast, but her children called her a you-know-what before her work shifts. Because of how work made her feel at home around her kids, the like the children that should love her, but because of what was what was what work was doing to her outside of it made her into a monster version of herself. and I think what's happening to our profession at large is so many people feel not only downtrodden in the workplace but ultimately feel like they don't matter. no one cares um and and if no one cares about you why would anyone else care why would why would another company you know give you a chance why would they value that what you have done or what you have worked so hard to achieve and we're on a mission to change that i'm so fed up of hearing stories people sending emails and just the way they're treated in the workplace we worked way too hard to allow these circumstances happen. And and I feel powerfully that there are companies out there that value pharmacists. There are great people. There's amazing pharmacists and managers and leaders right now. And these jobs exist. But it is a hard transition to make to go from somewhere where you feel like you're the bottom of the barrel (laughs) as one manager. Uh, pharmacist manager told another pharmacist, you got to remind people sometimes that they're replaceable and that, uh, to go from a, that kind of situation to one where you love what you do and you feel like the people around you love what they do. And they're excited to not only help patients, but also help you. It's a hard one. it, it it's, it's, it's very challenging. And so I mean, that's my that's our mission. It's it's a challenging one and a fun one at that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And it was kind of a funny story that you shared about how you kind of selected this route for your career. But you know, it was definitely strategic, right? Like you, you had a direction <laughs> from a test according to your personality, and you checked, you know, what they do, and you also checked the salary. Um, you know, and all of those things sounded prestigious, right. And we're part of the healthcare team, but I think what you're speaking to now is like, nobody really understands or therefore values the level of work that we do. And now that we have the PharmD degree, what we're capable of and how our skills may be applicable to a variety of settings. And we're kind of just pigeonholed, but to a position that no longer really even makes sense in our healthcare model. And things are changing so fast that we are, you know, who we are and what we can do for the world and the profession is like you said, just misunderstood and unknown. And therefore it just can't be valued because people Think that what we do is limited to, you know, dispensing a doctor's orders and billing the insurance.
0: You know, if you go to France, if you have that privilege of doing that, I would encourage you to go to a couple of pharmacies, and you will notice a stark difference in how the public treats what a pharmacist is. I mean, pharmacists are wearing suit and tie, and patients are respectful. They, uh, they they take time there, and yeah, it's maybe not true for everywhere, but it's a totally different thing, and it's because society values pharmacists. And right now, if there's a big picture vision that I want to change, it's how pharmacists are viewed in entertainment and media and in the news. And right now, I don't even think we're on the cusp of something big happening. There's the occasional New York Times story about something coming out about a big mistake, or I think last year is when that article hit about how bad working conditions are. Right? Um, that's nothing new to us. We all knew it. We we all know it, but society doesn't care. Um, <laughs> I I I got my uh, booster shot this summer, and I was in the uh, outtake line. Right? So intake outtake line. Right. And I was in the outtake line and I talked to a pharmacist um, about getting the vaccine. And a woman just started yelling at me, saying like, you just caught in line. Like, who do you think you are? You need to wait. I've been waiting here like 30 minutes. And the pharmacist started to say something. And I was so happy that I was there because I was like, don't worry, I got you. And I turned around. I'm like, ma'am, you're in the intake line. I'm in the outtake line like there are two separate lines here miss and she that's when i noticed like she wasn't um consolable like she was just kind of crazy probably or had some sort of problem who knows but she started going off and it felt so good for me to defend an actual pharmacist in the pharmacy because this person was treating a pharmacist the same way that uh I got treated when I worked at Burger King, okay, which was like garbage, hot garbage. Um and it's it, it's sad, but that's who we are to the people don't get it. And my hope is that I can either inspire or be a part of some movement where we clearly communicate to the public who we are, what we do, why we matter. And, um, that we this is something of value, you know, um, I have lots of ideas on it, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I do think it's a very important topic and I agree with you. I think it's both a societal issue and also, so the the way that we are seen by the public, but also the way we are seen within the healthcare industry, both of those things are not truly representative of the value that we bring forward. And to your point about other countries, the pharmacist position is not even, you know, a doctorate degree in most other countries, nor is it as prestigious as it is in the U.S. or is lucrative, not nearly, but the respect level does seem to be different. And I think a lot of it also has to do with, you know, the access, right, the easy access to a pharmacist that's taken for granted here. Um, also, the fact that we're perceived as somebody that should be doing these things for free, um, right? Because there's insurance involvement, right? And there's Mm -hmm. this, um, rather than a gratitude for providing care, there's like a demand that's not appreciated. It's an expectation that's taken for granted again. Um, And our knowledge is also taken for granted because there is some overlap, of course, with prescribers and doctors, and there's a lot of emphasis in this country for prescription medication versus more of the self-care counseling that also should be a part of our setting, but does not get nearly enough representation in my opinion.
0: And this is where you're gonna have to make your first edit. (laughs) No Um, worries. My AirPods. I think a lot of this hints at the new focus in our profession about professional identity. It's the hot buzzword right now at conferences, CE programs. um, And even now, um, new guidelines are coming out from ACPE about how to instill professional identity in this next generation of pharmacists. And at the end of the day, it goes back to what I said, we don't value ourselves. And I remember when I was I was a fourth year student, my wife was pregnant, and uh we had a a false start, as I like to say, going to the hospital. And I was I was getting pumped up, excited, because like, oh yes, the baby's coming. I'm so excited. And then uh <laughs> I I stopped what I was doing um uh because I was getting all excited for the music, and I said, Okay, Megan don't tell them i'm a pharmacist or a pharmacy student don't tell them and my wife's like what okay whatever you know well, i don't know you're having a crisis i don't care you know and for me what i realized was i was scared that they may ask something of me while my wife was going through this i mean i don't know a whole i didn't at the time know a whole lot about pregnancy meds or anything but at the core of that fear was that i was going to make a mistake i don't know what i think i know or more appropriately and closer to imposter syndrome i don't or i know what i don't know and because of that i could be dangerous and you you mentioned this confusion as well and overlap with other healthcare providers I think this has introduced an identity crisis for our entire profession. We don't know who we are and we don't know what we want to be. And if you look at surveys that talk about this concept of changing us to more healthcare providers and, and you know prescribing and things like that, the surveys actually say that most pharmacists don't want that responsibility. This is true not only in the United States, but in Canada and in the UK as well. And so we're, (laughs) you know, our leaders are trying to change our profession, making us more involved, more responsibility. And yet the profession itself doesn't seem to want it. And so, why, how could we not have a professional identity crisis? How could we be proud of these things when we don't know what we're fully capable of or our true potential? It, and it leads us into territory where you put a doctor and a pharmacist you know at a holiday party and everyone around there knows exactly what the doctor does everyone knows dr steve but not everyone knows oh yeah dr alex is here as well and he's a pharmacist not everyone knows that it's subtle and yet it's influencing us in such a powerful impactful and and, and in some ways negative way. And um, we're kind of reaping the rewards right now, as it were.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of confusion, I think, ever since the introduction of the PharmD and then the more clinical involvement and residency programs. And as far as like what role is it that we serve, you know? And uh, we were designed, the profession was designed to have a certain level of systemic checks and balances so that we can be separate from the prescriber for a reason, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of blurred and people think we may be stepping on other clinicians'
0: roles. Oh, yeah. The doctors Um, (laughs) think that, totally. Yeah, the AMA is not our our friend, for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And also the use of the doctor title, you know, we have to quickly preface that it is not an MD, but a PharmD, you know, so that there is no patient confusion. And, you know, there's like almost an ingrained sense of shame. Like, yeah, I have this degree and this title, but I'm not. Really allowed to use it, and I feel politically incorrect, and I don't want yeah. to be a pro. I don't want to cause a problem.
0: <laughs> yes, you have highlighted a huge fault with what at the time the academic leaders believed, right? And in, in the early what 1990s, when they made began to make this transition to the doctorate thinking every pharmacist could benefit from this. Yeah, everyone can benefit from this knowledge, but the market didn't demand it. No pharmacy uh, business, I'm not going to say organization, but no pharmacy business was like, gee, you know what I would really benefit from is a pharmacist with an additional year of training. And And I think this is an example of like, Oh, there's a technical word for it, but something like degree inflation, where uh, academics think that because we provided a doctorate now, that it innately made pharmacists more valuable. And they they tend to look at things like salary increases over the years as in terms of the PharmD, and that's totally not the case. We all know still to this day, retail pharmacists, managers in particular, on average, make more than the majority of different career paths in pharmacy. (laughs) And they're the ones that have the least amount of use for the doctorate knowledge that we gain. What are we doing? Uh, It's almost as if what we really need is we still need the BS farm, but then we, yeah, maybe we do need a doctorate degree for highly clinical research-focused positions Instead, we've made this blanket statement for the entire profession saying we demand this when the market still, after 20 years now of implementing this new degree, does not require the D degree. It is a weird professional issue that, by the way, other professions don't struggle with this. Other professions do have doctorates, but they either teach or do research. <laughs> um. But, you know, eh, who am I? I'm just some guy. (laughs) I'm just some guy trying to help pharmacists get better jobs. I'm not going to change the academics. That's someone else's job.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we each have a role to play. But I also wanted to point out in the recent news, I don't know if you heard about this, there was a pharmacist uh, and a doctor who quickly saved a passenger's flight during a quick uh, flight to, I believe, the ASHP. Meeting. So there was an unconscious unconscious man, and they administered a defibrillator and saved a life. So, you know, there's definitely value. And that's, of course, more like, you know, the the CPR and emergency training that you can get a red cross. But Um, You know, still, again, like you were saying, mention of us in the media and calling attention to the fact that, yes, we do have value and we do matter. And we have a variety of different medical trainings that we have to go through, even if we don't use it on the daily. You know, there are emergency settings where it could save lives. So um, Mm -hmm. I definitely want to get back into your story, though, and ask you about how your idea and really like something negative, right? It, your idea was born out of something negative, out of a negative experience, but how that sprouted and how you grew that idea to now eventually have your business, which has over 20 people in the business. So I just want to congratulate you on that and ask you like, oh, what were your first steps? How did you know that, you know, there's something to this and I'm going to pursue this idea and what were your first Steps towards actualizing your vision?
0: Well, I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, 2012 to 2017 was like the prototypical 20s. You don't have a clue what's going on in life and you're just trying anything and everything. And actually, according to career research, that that is what's supposed to happen in your twenties, and it's your brain's development time to really practice, experiment, and try stuff and fail the majority of the time. Um, <laughs> my twenties lasted a little bit longer into my thirties, but during that time, I I did so many different business ideas, and and honestly, the hope for these things was that they were going to be they were going to either become my livelihood or my ticket into my next thing because I I quickly resolved myself to say there's no way I'm going to be a clinician for the rest of my life um not that that isn't a great job it can be for the right people um I just spoke with a pharmacist we helped get into a dream job at the VA so different stroke for different folks based on personality passion strengths vision for themselves and all these things that we help them with but um for me i (laughs) i made stickers i created podcasts i had a podcast network at one point i created content i got into a franchise and most of them failed most of them were just things that didn't really go anywhere and i had inadvertently discovered a really powerful truth um that I I reflect on often, which is that you know, whatever you're usually ashamed about, if you can lean into your shame and face it head on and accept it, boy, some powerful truths, life-changing, altering truths can come from it. And if you accept it and run with it, something amazing can happen because that in 2016, I finally came face to face with my shame, which was, Alex, you chase after the wind, you come up with a new idea, and you, you pursue it with Augusto, and then you get bored with it, <laughs> and, and you 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 find an, a, a new breeze to follow. And that's when I made a really powerful commitment to myself and to a few close friends that I'm going to accept my identity. I'm going to accept that I'm a pharmacist. I'm going to accept my story, that I'm ashamed of who I was, who I became, (laughs) that I was a pharmacist who was so mad at a patient when they called me at the end of my shift just because I wanted to go home. I'm going to accept that part of me, and I'm going to help other people. I'm gonna take everything that I learned over the last five years of failed experiments and business ideas, and I'm going to focus on my skill of coaching, which I I practiced all during that time, and I said, I'm going to just focus on helping pharmacists. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm gonna give it everything I have. And if I can't make this work for myself, And in like a year and a half, then I'll quit. But at least I'll know that I gave it everything I have instead of chasing after new wins or getting bored with an idea. And there's definitely a lot of fear in that statement, I now realize. But it it felt so good to commit to something and pursue it with everything that I was. and it it attracted people. Um, pharmacists came to me and said, Hey, what what are you doing? What do you got going on here? <laughs> pharmacist career coach, that sounds new and interesting. And I started to coach people and I got them results. And um it was very sporadic, you know. I'm working 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. going into work, occasionally working on some nights and weekends. Um I got to coach people like Timothy Ulbrich of Your Financial Pharmacist, helped him out with his book, um, Seven Figure Pharmacist, Uh, coached a lot of people mainly around careers. You know, in the beginning, it was mainly about, like, actually helping them with businesses or projects. And I was like, wow, okay, This, this could be something. And hired my first few people and it's <laughs> when i quit my job i took a 3 week vacation cuz i was never allowed to have more than a week off and that's when i that's when i really knew and accepted okay not only have i created for myself a career that i really love that i really enjoy what we do um i'm changing pharmacist lives slowly the profession And actually, more importantly to me, um, I'm changing their families. You know, I'm making even though I'll never meet them, probably like I'm changing the lives of children and I'm impacting them and I'm getting their parents more involved in their lives. Like to me, that's it's not always what I think about when I wake up, you know, sometimes it's like, dang it, I got to go to the dentist, you know, but (laughs) That's, that's what we do. And it, I mean, nothing can speak more powerfully to me than a changed life. Um, you know, uh, do you mind if I tell us a story about how my life was changed?
1: Yeah. Um, we love stories.
0: <laughs> something that was, that that has become really impactful and important to me is adoption. Um, my biological father divorced my mother when I was two and I became fatherless for about two years. And my, the guy that I call my dad, um, who, who unfortunately passed away due to cancer earlier this year, um, he took me in as his own. And even though (laughs) I was nothing like him, Uh, He was a rule follower. He would have been a great pharmacist. Um, (laughs) He I mean, he didn't go a a single mile per hour over 55 miles per hour. You know, (laughs) I disagreed with him like for the first 15 years of my life. But then the latter half, the other 15 years that I got to spend with him were the best years of my life. He was my best friend and I would not be the man I am today because of him. Because he loved me unconditionally and he accepted me as his own, like that made such an impact on who I am to this day. And, and that's what I feel like I want. That That's the kind of change I want to see happen in our profession. An acceptance of who we are, that we are valuable. We are wanted. We aren't some unwanted child, a part of the healthcare system that's thrown to the side we are of a profession that should demand respect and admiration. And sadly, you know, we don't see that happening. And at times it can feel like no one is fighting for us or at at times even like people are against us and they're conspiring against us. And we can talk about conspiracies maybe on a different podcast, but, (laughs) you know, I, I don't, I don't think I can make that change for everyone out there, that that love and that feeling that they have. But I know that I can help a few. And I guess that transformation of acceptance is is really what I'm after. And that feels worth giving my life for, yeah.
1: Wow. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. And second of all, I love that allegory of us being, you know, this child that had this inner child, perhaps, right. That needs a level of love to survive and will create stories around not being worthy and being ashamed if we don't receive that love. So it's like, we need that unconditional acceptance. And that's where the shadow work comes in, where we know there can't be a light. We can't have a gift unless we have a shadow of that gift too. So knowing, you know, our shortcomings allows us to also see where we do shine and where we do fit in and where we serve this role that is necessary. Like without us, there will be a gap. You know, they could, they could say we're, um, replaceable, you know, but somebody else exactly like us (laughs) has to replace us, you know, um, there's definitely a need and every creature in the universe has a need. And we all form this greater ecosystem, which is what I'm all about. The recognition of that, the more diversity and, you know, in inside the body and outside in our environment, the healthier we all are you know um and so we we can't just have one choice or one type of care and one type of system we need to embrace everything in order to experience you know the fruits and the labor of that love um so yeah. i really i really Powerfully love worded. that yeah and you know this is this is at the core and the heart of the human condition too and when we talk about healing you know and and a person a patient going through the healthcare system and receiving all these services right in order to improve their health um really a huge chunk of it is that acceptance too that mm. you know they need the support their body needs the care what type of care is their body willing to receive, you know, and having that permission to versus like putting those choices on people and making the choices for them. So it's very empowering to recognize that, you know, here, here I am, here are my desires, you know, here's my role, here's what I can do. And I need to be the best version of myself so that I can share my gifts, with the world and you know health and mental health and fulfillment and job satisfaction is a huge part of that so you know what you're helping people achieve is tremendous it's so valuable and i'm so happy that you discovered that Mm -hmm. gift you know in yourself and are now able to to shine after doing your own inner healing and working through the shame and admitting your flaws, but also then you, you recognized what you're good at after you, you know, explored what maybe is not so good and doesn't serve you.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a dark, a dark hour of, of the soul. <laughs> it, 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 it was hard, but I think, you know, from that pain has come so much joy. Um, sometimes I think that people feel, that once once they get the job like then it's easy and it's like oh no 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 <laughs> now the true work begins and you get to really discover where your impact can be um you know some people sometimes people ask us when they when they want to work with us like are you going to help me get a dream job right away and it's like well that is, it's possible right but it's it's truly up to you um sometimes the dream job is the one after the next dream job it's, it is great to think about, um, you know, your reflection about health. I'm glad to see that you have that perspective because, um, even in my own father's process of cancer, you know, I remember looking up all the studies and stuff about the cancer and, uh, I, he he was looking it up too. And I remember reading the studies saying, like, oh, the 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 median t- time of death is one year. And I'm like, as soon as he reads that, he's gonna predict that that's exactly what's gonna happen. And yeah, within two days of him getting the diagnosis passed away. The mind has such incredible power to determine who we are and what we do. Um in fact. Well no I don't want to get too much on too many tangents but it um someone had to believe at one point that they could cure cancer or go to the moon or go faster you know than a train can go someone believed it and it's great to see pharmacists transition into jobs they actually love where they feel proud to be a pharmacist in fact, my content strategist just created a bunch of new content because she said, you're not talking about this enough. And she said, someone said in a testimonial about what you guys do, I love being a pharmacist. I would have never said that before. I would have never believed that. And I, if I heard someone say that, I would think you're a liar. <laughs> and that's putting it nicely. <laughs> and It shouldn't be, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be pharmacists feeling like they're schmucks or that they were tricked into doing this profession. We should be a proud profession about what we do and how we help people. I guess that's what you and I are fighting for then. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're on the same team for sure. Um, And I think, you know, overall the coaching industry I think the most profound change and impact happens when you are helping somebody overcome the exact challenges that you yourself overcame, right? So your ideal clients are you, it's a past version of you and you're just helping them accelerate their growth potential, right? Because you understand them, you understand their mindset and their challenges and their blocks and the way to get out of there. But I think you're right. A lot of people have this perception that the goal is success, right? But it's hard to picture what success is and what the next version and each successive version of success turns into because it's like a snowball effect. And, you know, you can only see a couple of steps ahead, right? You can't really predict what your whole entire career pathway will be and your whole dream and put it up nicely because we live in reality and things uh, you know out of our control sometimes happen and we have to deal with those so we can't design a perfect system nor is it supposed to be easy like we think oh success is when you know it's so easy but um it's like you're again with this power of choice uh you're choosing how you want to work? And what what are you willing to have a challenging road towards, right? What, what is the end game that's important to you? Because then you would be willing to do the work. And yeah, maybe it still will have challenges, but you'll be so passionate that you want to overcome those challenges. You want to grow from those challenges. So you're kind of choosing okay well which challenges am i willing to overcome and let me go on that road but knowing that no road will be 100 percent perfect <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it reminds me of a phrase that i i tried to make popular amongst our our clients and kind of our inner circle and it was journey before destination um It's really easy to compare yourself to someone else who's happier or more successful, right? They always exist. It's why I try to spend as little time as possible on social media because it's so easy to, oh, uh, well, they're doing what? Oh, that's cool. Oh, I wish I'd had that. Oh, so many problems would go away if I had that or if I did that. And um, gosh, that's a horrible trap to be in. But it's so easy, and it's it's even promoted by social media. Um, and I feel uh, success that can't be the thing that you want to chase after. It's more like what's the path you want to be on? what's what are the obstacles that you want to try to overcome and face? Obstacle is the way, as I think Ryan Holiday put it in his title of one of his books. and we usually find that, you know, it comes down to only a few for people and it's fear of failure, fear of success. <laughs> and ultimately those fears kind of pigeonhole us into what's possible. And if, if you can, if you never get outside of your box, if you never get outside of your own head, well then you'll never know really how to unlock potential or how to really see the unexpected opportunities come and you know ultimately i it's it sounds like you've done coaching as well um by the way you're you're wording things and talking about things and i think you know my own coach gosh showing me that mirror of myself sometimes is so hard it's so hard to look at <laughs> is is this what you're really saying alex no I'm, i'm hideous stop got a giant zit on my face and i but it's so powerful to really see yourself to really hear what you're saying to really understand is this who you're becoming and who you want to be and i love the impact that changes in my life and in my business. I mean, we're a lot of the stuff that I'm sharing with you honestly are things that have come out from my coaching sessions because before I I would have been afraid. I would have not talked about my dad on a podcast for fear of, I don't know, being embarrassed or asking for sympathy when I'm not. I but I've realized I am who I am and I can accept that and I can use that to help more people if not the entire profession but without that mirror without that coach i wouldn't have said those things i wouldn't have changed and i wouldn't have made a lot of decisions that i've made internally were we going somewhere with this podcast or
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have actually a couple more questions, but I do want to reflect to you that the power of perspective is really important and coaching is definitely one great tool that can help you with this mirroring and the perspective that we were talking about and could really shine a light exactly to, you know, what your next step perhaps should be. And many people, again, are just holding themselves back, from taking the next logical step. Most people already know (laughs) what they wanna do, what they like, they just need a little bit of permission, right? And hiring a coach or any other way that you like to get perspective is what can help give you permission. And also just watching people like Alex share candidly, you know, on podcasts like this can be the permission, you know, that people need to come out of their box and also shed a light on their passion and what they should be speaking about. Cause it's different for everyone, but we all already have it. It's just a matter of it coming out. And as a society, I think we're starting to realize like chasing the next high, you know, and, and getting the next dopamine hit of getting, you know to the success level that looks good is not really what makes life fulfilling. It's the spaces Mm. in between. It's the reflection. You know, we just don't have enough time for the perspective, (laughs) for reflecting. How did that make me feel? Is this aligned? What am I feeling on the inside? We don't tend to ask ourselves these.
0: No, why would we? We live on our life. (laughs) We're living it right now. I... To your point, uh, I have called my coach a jerk a few times to his face because he says I'm just telling you what you're telling me. <laughs> um, if I may, what for you what what has been the biggest impact in your life that a that a coach has done?
1: Um, I think it's exactly what we're talking about. I think it's like reflecting back, right? Like. Mm asking me what i mean asking me to talk more about that asking me to show the real me like who am Mm. i hiding in there (laughs) what am i afraid of what what is my shame um you know because if you don't understand what's blocking you what obstacles there are Mm. um you don't see them because you just don't want to see them but somebody else like not telling you that you have them but asking you the right questions to for you to say it out loud to yourself is really important and you to admit it um it's very therapeutic it's like a catharsis right and also like again that permission um Mm. that it's okay to have this and to accept that maybe everybody else is just hiding this too but it's you're perfect just the way you are you know um you're human to just accept the the flaws because it's inherent. We can't be perfect. And to also celebrate, you know, the good things, I think is is really important because a lot of times, maybe maybe the way people were brought up, like for myself, a lot of times we focused on the lack and the scarcity. So it's like, how do we reframe what is working for us and continue to grow that momentum versus the self, you know negative talk and deprecating cycle because we can get stuck on either one of those so we those we have important. the power to choose which one do we want to get stuck on the momentum growth opportunity expansion overcoming challenges or do we want to get stuck on let's see what's wrong everything that's wrong <laughs> you know and i think it's yeah. helpful to both understand you know where we're maybe disappointed but then also have the plan and the hopeful outlook for where we can transform that disappointment into something good.
0: Hmm. Powerful reflections. And I'm sure you feel freer for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is like a coaching session right now.
0: (laughs) Oh no, please. (laughs) You'll get a bill in the mail. (laughs) No, 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 not at all.
1: So Alex, I want to thank you so much for such a wonderful conversation. And again, you know, sharing your story that I'm sure will give others the permission to reflect on their own journey so far. And I just want to ask you a couple more questions before I let you go, if you don't mind.
0: That's, you, you've you got me, you've got me booked. So All right, let's do it. Fire away.
1: So, so I'm going to do a rapid fire. So what, um, what made you write your book. So talk to us a little bit about your book. And when did you feel like, you know, this is the time? And what do you, you want to just, if you could rapid fire, what do you want to say with your book?
0: <laughs> My book is called Indispensable, the Prescription for a Fulfilling Pharmacist Career. And why I wanted to write it was after coaching probably well over 100 people, I learned that I was going over the same things over and over again with people. And so I wanted to condense a lot of my lessons that I had learned with people. And I uh, wanted to put it in a book. And I think the core message of that book is there's a reason why people aren't approaching you with new and amazing opportunities in for your career. There's a reason for it. There are things that you can do that don't take up much time, that don't take much energy either in order to find and get amazing opportunities. And while the job market will be always be tumultuous, there are some things that you can do that you will find fun, that you will be engaged with, and that will create more opportunities for you. That's what's in my book.
1: Love it. And while we're on the topic, what were some of like the diverse career paths that some of your clients have transitioned into?
0: Yeah. So we actually have a success report that documents all of this from 2020 and 2021. Um, You can check it out there. We've helped a variety of pharmacists from everywhere, from retail to the specialty, to government, to pharma. And we've helped people to get into... Just about any job, 95% of our clients stay in pharmacy, 5% out, uh, comedian, real estate, various business stuff. But the majority, um, I mean, it's all over the place. There's not much of a pattern. I believe the most common path were things in pharma. So that's everything from MSL, medical science liaison, Regulatory affairs, medical affairs, medical information and writing—practically um, every specialty that exists, save maybe one obscure one. Um, hospital, different community, independence. i mean, you name it—and we've probably helped a pharma pharmacist get into it. You know, associations, universities. There's not much of a pattern other than we help pharmacists figure out what they really want from their work and how to identify companies that would actually value them and that they would want to be a part of. I guess that's the pattern.
1: I love that. Well, it sounds like a very balanced and strategic approach, again, that marries passion with logic. And when did you know you were at the stage to hire some of your first employees in your business?
0: (laughs) The first day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) From like five years of building businesses, I learned really quickly that I procrastinate things I hate doing. Um, And so I, I very quickly put whatever money I was making into hiring and developing people so I think as soon as I started the happy farm d I already had some operations people helping me with like website stuff or podcasting or social media because um I mean I was losing money marina because I I <laughs> literally would not email people back um sometimes I would have clients and I wouldn't invoice them Like I was giving them services and I wasn't making any money because I hated taking the two minutes that it would take to send an invoice. You could call that lazy. You could call that someone who is obsessed with having fun all the time. I don't know. But I knew from day one, you got to hire people because um, you're you're probably losing money if you don't or you're going insane or you're working too much. One of the three, I guess.
1: (laughs) That is the wisest thing I think I've heard today, because knowing yourself and your strengths is, you know, just makes sense. You know, why would you spend your time and energy somewhere where it's just not best utilized?
0: Yeah. I mean, something that's a, it's baked into our program. People don't understand it, but we we have to show people indirectly how to be themselves. Because one of the biggest problems in the you know the interviewing process is you think you have to put up a front you know it it's called um in in research it's called professional impressionism and it is uh it works a little bit to some extent but when you're inauthentic you're typically doing a really poor job of selling yourself and i learned very early on that there, there's things that i'm good at and there's a lot of things i suck at And there are people out there who want to do the things I suck at and they'd love to get money for it. Like, it's an amazing proposition so that I I, I, there hasn't been a single day, even in the beginning, I I was always with someone working as a team for sure. And now I I never check email like I don't check social media. I have someone tell me what's going on and it's beautiful.
1: That is really amazing. And it works for romantic relationships. It works for running a <laughs> business. It's like you got to be yourself before yes. you can have fun and before you can feel fulfillment and before and, you can be and loved this unconditionally. Perfect,
0: <laughs> this is the perfect time to announce as CEO of the Happy Farm D that we have a new side business. It's called the Sexy Farm D. And we're going to have calendars and we're going to help you with your dating life. It's going to be so amazing
1: okay That's no just
0: kidding weird. no no i'm kidding we're all not right. doing that you,
1: you you clearly should maybe also consider being a comedian i think i interviewed um cory jenks and so- oh yeah yeah
0: Corey, yeah he's a good uh, friend I can
1: totally tell all right um well alex just um i know we're running out of time but what do you do for fun and what's your favorite snack
0: for fun fun i play video games dungeons and dragons and uh watch tv shows with my girls um or my wife and my favorite snack man i have so many but i guess if i had to choose i'm on a desert island and i can only have this snack forever it'd be a pomelo not sure if you've ever heard of a pomelo have you heard of it
1: sounds familiar but walk me through it
0: <laughs> it's it's actually it is the ancestor fruit for grapefruit and oranges and it's a it's basically a mixture of the two um it is delicious it only happens this time of year so I've been like you know, stuffing my face with these expensive fruit it is delicious I love them so good
1: <laughs> yes sounds very nutritious too so I'm all for that so Alex how can people get in touch with you after listening to this amazing and valuable <laughs> as well as humor-laden interview?
0: Well, if you'd like to follow along what we do or you want to check out some of our resources, we have a lot of cheat sheets about different career paths. We have resources about salary guides and negotiation. You can go to thehappyfarmd.com. And if you go to slash care, We'd love to send you a care package in that um, you'll get an email from us that has things like um, a digital copy of my book, as well as a little um, audio intro of the book as well, um, and some other resources, guides, cheat sheets. We, We love to provide people as much information as possible because information creates transformation. So that's how you can connect with me. You can also find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm probably the most active. And um, happy to start a conversation on there as well, but I'm not going to be checking out what you just posted. I don't want to get jealous. Okay. Trying not to do that. Trying just to have conversations on LinkedIn. So send me a private message. Happy to chat.
1: Awesome. Well, Alex, thank you again. It was wonderful catching up and learning about your work and um, I wish you an amazing rest of your day.
0: Thank you. You as well.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.